You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and the odd uploaded consciousness who's renounced all sort of gender stereotypes. Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. I'm Thomas Frank. I'm the cool host of this episode. And today we're here to answer some more reader questions. And I'm joined by my not cool roommate, Martin, who is definitely not going to beat me at this game here that we're playing. But uh, what's up? Somebody sounds jealous. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not jealous at all. And you don't even know the controls yet, so... I don't need to know the controls to beat you. Yeah, so what game are we playing today? Uh, Worms. Uh, I think it's Revolution. It's one. Of, it's newer, but it's not the newest. I don't know. We'll Alright, so uh, I'm guessing that I'm gonna cultivate a tank of worms, and they're gonna be my pets. Uh, Is that what we do? Sure, nah, it's a bunch of little worms. They fight with, you know, rocket launchers and stuff, as worms do. I bet they don't fight with UFOs and, and falling cows. Uh, they do and... that. I don't know if they do that in this one. <laughs> the weapons change. All right, so I guess we're going to play that game. I'm going to try my hand at it. And we are going to answer five listener slash reader slash viewer slash experiencer questions. Experiencer. <laughs> podcast. That is hey, you can call word. your readers outlets, and I can't call my reader. I can't call them college info geekers. That's get just a, too many syllables. Get a cute mascot. College hackers. Oh, I can get a cute... Hmm. I'm going to get a marmot. I don't even know what that looks like. It looks like a little gopher kind uh, of thing. Wait, that makes sense because in, in French or something, like, Malmote is like a groundhog kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like in the Big Lebowski when, like, the German right. nihilists come into the bathtub and they bring the ferret and he thinks it's a marmot. If that vocabulary was correct, by the way, it's courtesy of Anki. There's my shout-out for the oh. day. Wait, we're not even to that yet. Yeah, it's just related. We haven't even got to that yet. But just... uh, I have one question for you before we start. No. Are you a nihilist yet? Uh, or is it not cold enough yet for that? No, I found out that the next season of Korra is playing next month, so no, I'm not a nihilist yet. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. So when that's over, then it'll be cold at least here, and uh, bring on the nihilism. Yep. Alrighty, but before that, we've got some questions to answer, and before those questions are answered, i got a few segments to do in the opener. So, first, if you have questions about college that you would like to have answered on this show, and possibly answered personally by me via email, then email those questions in. I want to get your questions on studying better, on getting internships and jobs, on being better with your money, maybe on building a loft bed. I have a post that I haven't published on that, uh, so I should probably do that at some point. But anyway, if you have questions, email them to me. Thomas at collegeinfogeek.com is my email address, and we'll get those questions answered on a podcast episode where we play a fun game. All right, so for our resources of the week, every single week I want to bring you one resource that is a tool that can help... Uh, better your life in some way, and also a learning resource that can enlighten you. So this week's future tool is Anki, and you use Anki more than me, so what is Anki? I, I do use Anki a lot. Is Anki it, is uh, it's a space, space repetition software. Essentially, though, it's a group of flashcard decks, and as you study the decks, say you've got one for, I can't think of a lot of words right now, so I'm just going to say... Hey, Make, we have your Rojos mixed, and, and your Azules. Yeah, then whatever, man. <laughs> Mix. You got some language vocabulary deck, okay? And it's got mixed languages because I can't think of two words in any language right now. 
because I'm not thinking about it. Can I ask you a question? What? Why am I studying mixed languages? Because this isn't a good example. I'm going to have Spafranglish in my head if I do that. Yeah, what do you think my life's like? Spafranglese. All right, so... Fine, fine. I'll think of a second word. (laughs) How about Midori? And uh, no, because I really wanted to use, I really wanted to use Knoblauch because it's a really great German word. Okay. Uh, well, how about sauerkraut? Sauerkraut. Duh. Uh, sure. Sauerkraut. <laughs> I don't even know what that like is. Honestly, it's a Whatever. food. This this analogy is bad. So you've got two words. They're just words right now. You got two words. One of them, you flip the flashcard around. You always get it wrong. When you click the, please show this again. I didn't get this right button. The Anki, Anki's going to keep track of that. And then, because you're not very good at that word, it's going to make you study it more often. And if you're really good at word number two, which is going to be Knoblauch, because it's a fun word, you're really good at that. So Anki's going to be like, don't even, don't even bother showing that to them because they already know that word. It's pointless. And so when you use Anki, what happens is, you don't waste your time studying the stuff you already know over and over and over and over and over. If you've got a huge deck of flashcards, you're going through a chapter in a textbook for language or something sciencey with lots of vocabulary. I don't know. It works for anything with vocab, really. But you don't waste a lot of time studying what you already know. Yeah, it's a very efficient way of studying. And actually, I think there have been studies done where um, basically the finding is the best time to really load something into long-term memory is right before you're about to forget it. So that is when you have to expend the most effort to retrieve it. And for whatever reason, effort equals results in the brain. So you learn things. Uh, can I tell you a little story involving Anna? All right. There was, there was one night when she had to learn, I think it was like 20 of the European countries. I was she just going to be about capitals. some weird mnemonic device. She did. had to learn... I was just going to say that I had her use Anki, and she had to learn the languages. All right. And she All was right. like, I'm never going to learn this tonight. And I was like, you're going to learn this tonight. So we made an Anki deck. And it actually, the, the practice of making the Anki deck helped her learn it a little bit in the first place because she had to make the cards. And then after that, only about one or two times through Anki, she knew all 20 of them. So that's like 60 pieces of data yeah. pretty quickly. It's super efficient. Yeah, so I, I think I learned that uh, Helsinki is the capital of Finland. That and it I is. just imagined a sinkhole to hell with a bunch of finned fish jumping out of it. All right, I'm, I'm sorry, the, Finland. The apparently, good. you have a portal <laughs> to hell somewhere. Goodbye. No, they're they're fire resistant fish. They're going to be fine. All right. All right. So that's Anki. Oh, I should mention that Anki is on almost every platform, and on almost every oh, platform, yeah. it's free. So PC, Mac. Uh, Android, Linux, and I believe web, they're all free. If you're on an iOS device like we are, then sadly you get to foot the bill for everything else because they have decided to charge $25 for the app. I don't know why. It's a little inconvenient. Because I wanted to learn Japanese. I thought it was worth it. It's it's still worth it. But if you don't want that, then uh, just use the web version or the the Windows version. buying an Android phone so that you can get it for free in your pocket, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's cheaper than getting yeah. a new phone, so and, you better get it. And you don't have to use Android. Hashtag Apple fanboy over here. Okay, so this week's featured learning resource is the podcast, uh, the podcast history of our world. 
I just, that was a redundant word. <laughs> um, but the podcast History of Our World was started by somebody who I believe graduated with a history degree, decided to start a podcast going through the entire history of the human race. So it doesn't go over most of the world history with all the animals and evolution and all that jazz. But uh, if you want to learn about jazz, there's lots of jazz. Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe the uh, prokaryotic organisms, single celled organisms, they were the ones that invented jazz. Yeah. Lou Armstrong adapted it. Later on, you know, much, much later on. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I learned about Greek history. I learned about Roman history. Learned about some Indian Hindu history. Uh, when I watched the, the sequel to 300, I was able to sit in the theater and go, "Whoa, I know about these battles!" And I—that's how I learned that some of the movie is actually sort of accurate, at least uh, according to the Greek histories. So check out that podcast. I'll have the notes in the show notes. And uh, if you run out of episodes of this podcast to listen to, then head on over to that one and learn yourself some history. All right. So next segment, the listener tip of the week. So during each episode, I want to feature a tip from a listener, not you, because you're going to be giving way too many tips in this one. But a listener about doing better in school, landing jobs and internships or mastering your money. So one of those three topics. And if you have a tip and you want to feature it on the show, then email it to me. I'm thomas at collegeinfogeek.com once again. Or you can tweet it to me. I'm at Tom Frankly on Twitter. And send me your name and also send me like a website or Twitter profile if you want me to give you a shout out to one of those profiles online and send me those uh, listener tips, get them on the show. So this week's tip comes from Justin Nauman. And he says, one useful tip I picked up was to take a screenshot of your class schedule and set it as the lock screen image for your phone. It makes for a much quicker access, and this is very helpful, especially during the first week or two of class. So, actually, I'd never thought about that. Like, that's yeah, it's pretty that's brilliant, a pretty dope idea. Only problem, my lock screen is a picture of Shaq, and his head is replacing the sun on the horizon, and I can never get rid of that. If you if you just superimpose Shaq, though, that <laughs> that could be pretty. That, make okay. it make translucent right. Shaq. Put it over your thing. All right. And uh, well, Tom's gonna have a photoshopped version. <laughs> of translucent shack template. I don't know that he can deliver on that. Uh, but I'm going to make the promise now. I just now. realized something. What? I don't have a class schedule anymore. Yeah, so you shack do. all the way for me. Fair enough. YOLO. Anyway. Cheater. You should just stop now. Yeah, is this, this the end? Is this why, it? I, I shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that word. YOLO. Anyway. Uh, well, we'll just chalk that up to the self-loathing. Hashtag sigh. And uh, so last few parts before we get into the questions, and we should probably start customizing our yeah, teams here. I can't, I can't here. do anything. I think okay, I we're going to go over to customization. And I don't care about tutorials. I want to just, I want to name my worms. All right. I have to purchase them? What? I don't have any credits. I don't know. I think we're going to have to play generic. All right, whatever. We'll whatever. play generic. This version's got different things. <laughs> I hate change. Where's, if you where's Reagan when you need him? <laughs> if you haven't stopped listening by now, uh, I can assure you, good stuff is coming. Um, we're just getting through this intro. So, last but not least, a couple of things. If you like the show, if the show is proving helpful to you, then the best thing that you can do is go on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. And by doing that, you'll get new episodes right in the uh, feed of the device of your choice where you listen. And also it helps bump the show up the rankings in iTunes. So it helps us, helps you, and you should definitely hit that subscribe button. Also, you'll find a link to the subscribe uh, button in the show notes of the episode, and you can find those at sigpodcast.com. 
CIGpodcast.com, CIGpodcast.com. And there you'll find the main podcast page over on College Info Geek. Scroll down to episode 29, which is reader Q&A number three. And you'll find quotes. You'll find links to any tools and resources we mention. You'll find that subscribe link and all sorts of other cool stuff. So check it out. All right, let's get into the game and get into our first question. All right, so what do we do? Death, death match or classic? Uh, just click, click classic. That sounds good. Death. It's a classic. I was just talking about not liking change. What are we changing this? I don't know. Just classic sounds good. Sounds you like my? Uh, like you like my know, PS3 username? The notorious. Siagi. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, I got to add player. Yeah. You know what? And, okay, you got me. Uh, I um, guess I'll just clone you. Wait, what? I don't want to share you. No. Uh, I'm going to get rid of that. Let me, like... Uh-oh. I don't know how this works, man. Go away, alarm. Okay. We're doing this wrong. Um, This is, like... Okay, what's here? X, Can you go. sign in? You want to do that? Yes. Yeah, do sign user in. Do All right, that. let's try that. And while we're, there are no users, I guess we're just sharing a controller on this console. All right, we're sharing the controller. Uh, okay. Uh, Ready for fun. We're going to set the round time. Oh, 30 minutes are probably fine. Yeah, that's what what do we do for turn time, 30? Because I don't remember having 60 seconds. How many seconds do you think it's going to take you to not be bad? 45. That's not enough for you to not be bad, but all right. We're going to do it. All right. Question number one, and this question comes from Maria. She says, I am having trouble writing my resume now that I have just finished my first year of college. Could you help me with that? All right, so writing a resume as somebody who has only got one year of experience under their belt as a student, what do you do? Well, um, I guess that depends on, I don't know what kind of work or volunteer or extracurricular history you have. What's what's name? What's her name? It's Maria. Maria. Yeah. I don't really know what kind of experience you have, but uh, I guess a good thing to make use of that uh, I used last year before I started really getting into looking at jobs was at at least at my university at Iowa State. There's a career counselor kind of area. There's a there are several people you can go to. The career advisors. Yeah, career advisors. And you can go to them and have them look over your resume or help you make one. And I know that's a pretty useful resource. I got some useful tips on building mine. Uh, You got your basic tips. Don't make it over a page unless you really have something special that's special enough for a second page. And uh, let's see. I don't know. What what do you think? What do you think one should do if they don't have a lot of experience? And yeah, you just poked me. I poked you, and that didn't do me any good. So no, also, I accidentally took your turn, so you're gonna be me. All right. All right. So here are my thoughts on having a uh, or building a resume when yeah, you're I guess a freshman. If, if you don't have a lot of experience, because this uh, is something I that know. I that I ha- actually have had a resume since I was in high school. So the number one thing that you need to focus on is getting experience, and no, that's, that can that's be cheating. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, hashtag cheat your way through college. Then, uh, no, get experience in any area that is going to uh, get you closer to your goals. Because your resume is kind of your ticket into the door of uh, any place you want to work, which is probably part of your goals. So, try to get work experience. You can get a part-time job in school, and uh, I think if you can get a part-time job that's close to your actual major area, that's awesome. Or if you can get a part-time job where you communicate a lot, where you build soft skills like leadership skills and like uh, emailing people and, and talking to people, 
those can be really impressive. So look at those, and I just took fall damage. So oh, nice job. Yeah, I'm mad. Um, and also, you can look for experience in like student organizations. You can get leadership positions in clubs, and you can list awards and things you have. And also, when you're a freshman, because I reviewed a lot of the um, the the resumes of my friends when they were freshmen, and they were usually not very full. Did you just go over mine? It was a dud. It oh, happens. okay. So what you can do is you can list skills and you can list classes you've taken. So if you've taken classes that are relevant to your major at this point, then you can list those and sort of show employers that you've got some experience in the areas they're hiring for, even if you don't have any legit work experience at this time. Um, and one thing I, I learned from a book I was reading recently, it's Confessions of a Scholarship Winner by Christina Ellis. And I'm probably going to put that on my essential books list at some point. But she was talking about doing scholarships for, for, or doing resumes for scholarships. But her tip really applies to resumes of any kind. And that is that you can flesh out any singular entry on a scholarship form if you need to fill space. So say you were part of a club instead, instead of just saying, oh, I was part of a club. You can say I was a leader of a club or something like that. So if you fill out more areas on your resume, if you put more detail, it can sort of, it can make you more personable. It can kind of communicate your story a little better to an employer. And also it can just fill up some space. I think it's your turn again. You're terrible at this Yeah, game. you're not very good. But, uh, no, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, I guess one one good answer is get experience to put on your resume. But what if what if, what if Maria needs one right now to apply to a job? And she doesn't have a lot. What do you do? Okay, so put on let's just put myself in Maria's shoes at this point. You have no experience. You need your resume right now. So say so yeah, I'll just I'll just pretend that I was applying for um, the campus orientation job that or the uh, like the new student orientation job that I applied for as a freshman. All right. So I would have an objective statement on my resume because wow, I probably I don't missed. have enough room to fill anything else, or I'm probably I'm probably missing like. A lot of other things I would want to put. So I would okay, put a very clear objective statement. I would tailor the resume to match the specific job I'm applying for. Meaning I'm not going to put things that aren't relevant to... Wow. Fall damage again. Good I'm job. not going to put things that aren't relevant to this specific job. All of my education, I'll probably list some classes. Maybe like speech or composition or something close to that. That can demonstrate my communication skills and any experience I have in that area. And then I will list awards and honors I've been given, um, student organization experience, and any part-time jobs that I've had, even if it's just something in high school. When I was a freshman, I still listed the fact that I worked at Target. I still listed the fact that I was a detasseling supervisor and worked in a cornfield all day. And I listed the fact that I was a tutor, um, even though some of my tutoring wasn't even really employed. It was more freelance. But it all just demonstrates relevant experience. Even if it wasn't something that I was legitimately paid for, it's useful. So it's good to put. Now, I'm going to pause real quick to throw a grenade at Martin and then jump out of the way here. That was a really skillful shot uh, yeah. that you made right I there. Toss just, it right on the ground right next to your feet. I kind of just dropped. I don't know what. You just, apparently fell into a mine, so. Uh, I think my worm just. Oh, I didn't die. No, you didn't die. You but just, it hurt. I think you hit a mine. Yeah, so um, let's see here. Is there anything else but, uh, we want to cover for resumes? Well, uh, maybe just some extra sections. I have a section on mine for current projects to let people know what kind of... For Well, for me, it's like websites I'm building, 
any sort of kind of extracurricular thing that I'm a part of, like uh, for Polyglot, my language blog, things like that. Oh, are yeah. you are you doing anything interesting on the side that you may not think of as like a skillful experience, or maybe you just want people to know you're interesting? Because being interesting is pretty important. Yeah, I've actually, had several jobs, and not a single coworker has said, "Martin, I really want you to be more boring." No one said that. Or wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I really want you to be cuter. I will work on that, but yeah, I will, need to work I will not be more boring. Yeah, actually, when I didn't consider that, yeah, when I, I didn't consider, wow, you're you're a dick. Yep. Now I want you to be more boring because maybe you won't put turrets down. When I didn't consider college, if we get my job, I actually put it as a current project, and it was something that I was dedicating time to. I was getting skills from, so it was a useful thing to put down. And I actually was asked about it a couple of times during interviews. And I got to sort of elaborate on what I was doing with it. So if you have a project that you don't think would be like a job legitimately, you still might be able to put it down. Uh, it's because it can be useful experience. So there's also an article on the site about common resume mistakes, and I will link to that in the show notes. But I think that about wraps it up for this question, unless you have anything you want to add. I guess extra sections, try to get experience and flesh out anything you've done if you don't have a lot. There's, that sounds, sounds good to me. Cool. Well, I'm going to let you take the next question. All right. While I use Let's this jetpack and try to get myself over here. All right. So question two is from uh, Parnita, would you say? Parnita? Yeah. Uh, sorry if that's wrong. I have a class that is really late in the evening from 8 to 9.50 p.m. Got anything related to surviving night classes? Well... I don't have any night classes right now, but when I was back in community college, I did have a night class that was 6 to 10 p.m. every Tuesday. So I have a bit of experience with this. It, eh, kinda. But it was also over Linux, so I was geeking out and it was alright. Alright. But largely, let's see, what did I do to deal with that? Uh, one, I guess, I very much tried to not have a lot to do on uh, Tuesdays because I knew I'd be working all night so I didn't want to spend the mornings and the afternoons working and doing other schoolwork because then what happens is I've spent the entire day working on stuff so if you're not going to be free at night maybe you want to delegate some of that free time earlier in the day because uh, all work and no play makes Jack kind of douche uh, is that how it is? yeah it is it is how it is you know what it is alright but Essentially, like brawny. you definitely need the need the free time at some point during the day. Otherwise, you're going to go insane over time. Uh, don't become addicted to energy drinks. That's some pretty good advice. That is some damn good advice. I mean, drink drink tea. I love tea. I drink like three glasses of tea a day. Drink black coffee. Get wrecked. Just uh, don't load up on five-hour energy drinks and amps because you will probably die soon. Yeah, I actually got addicted to those, and I didn't have a night class, but I had my CA duties, and I had a different part-time job, and then homework and working on my blog, so I was always working, and I would rationalize this. I would just be like, oh, I have a lot of work to do, so I'm just going to let myself get an energy drink, and then that would happen day after day after day, with the cycle never ending, so 
I don't drink those at all anymore. But uh, I wrote down some answers in an email, and I want to kind of go over those in the podcast. So, um, since this is like a note-based thing, I'm just going to pause it real quick. Yeah, fair enough. So if this class is only once or twice a week, you can try scheduling your week around it. And there's a couple of different ways to do that. So if you have a part-time job, then one thing you could do is try putting the majority of your hours or maybe all of your other classes on the same days that your night class is on. So you can sort of pack everything into these these shit days, I call them. They're just horrible. Well, I guess that's another way to do it. Terrible days. And, you know, you're going from the morning till evening. But in exchange... The other days of the week are relatively free, and you can use those to get homework done, to just kind of chill and relax, and to do any errands you have. So that's one way to do it, hmm. but uh, you can do it the other way around. So if you find that going through shit days is just absolutely terrible for your motivation, and it's just not going to work, then try the opposite. Put everything else on the days when your night class isn't scheduled, and then when you have a night class, you know that that's basically the only big thing you have to do for that day. And for the rest of the day, earlier on, you can chill, you can work on homework and do whatever you want. Um, So, yeah, find out what works for you. Piling everything onto one day is good for you. Then go for that. Otherwise, spread it out and be strategic about it. So the other thing I wanted to mention is that I had a couple of friends who took night classes and they'd come home from regular class and they would start hanging out with us. And then, you know what happens? They skip. Right. Oh yeah, I'm not even gonna say that I don't skip occasionally. <laughs> I for I didn't even think about that. Try try not to skip, or at least yeah. be very very thorough about knowing what goes on in the class. Don't if, if, if you're, you're gonna, gonna skip, skip, if you know you're gonna skip, make sure that it is safe to skip. You don't want to fail the class. Yeah. yeah, and this is the problem with night classes. Is they're usually like one day a week. And they're like three hours long. So if you skip, you're missing an entire week's worth of class. And that's not a good thing. So what I suggest doing is front loading a few events before your night class. Because the worst thing is when you come home, you start hanging out, your friends have something fun to do. And then all of a sudden it's like 845 and you have to go to night class or or 545, whenever it starts. And you're like, I don't want to leave. I'm home. I'm relaxed. I think I'll just skip tonight. Yeah, don't don't get too relaxed. Whereas if you're like, I have to grocery shop this week, I'm going to go grocery shopping, I'm going to stay active, or I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to go to my part-time job, or something that keeps you active and keeps you out in like work mode before night class starts, then that momentum will carry you into the night class, and the temptation to skip will be far, far less than what it would be if you were sitting at home on the couch watching Wreck-It Ralph with your friends. Because that's a... I do that every night. You watch Ragged Ralph with your friends every, every night. single night. Can you quote the entire movie right now? Just hour and a half. No, I uh, actually turned the volume off. Oh, I just you like just, the, I like the you pictures. Just, I like to watch the silly antics <laughs> of Ralph and his friends. I just like the pictures. Oh, man. That Felix. He's so earnest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the other thing is a story. And this story is... M- the moral of the story is that... You may be able to negotiate your way out of a night class, which I did. So um, there was actually a required elective in my major, and it would have required me to take a night class because that was the only section available. And I was like, I am not doing that. Like, I refuse to take a night class. So 
I just hit the turret. Oh, man. I, I can't love... see it. Oh, wait. There's a camera I can zoom yeah, in. Yeah, turret, turret's stupid. right there. Now you got two worms in one hole. Guess so what's going to happen now. Not good things. I really hate you. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's life. Go. You tell your story. I man. just want to point tell out that I'm slightly story. ahead of you right now. And I know you're going to drop dynamite in that hole. But at this moment, I'm winning. And it's all about the moment, right? Life is fleeting. Hawking radiation is going to delete the universe eventually. So this moment is all we have. Did you just throw the sheep the wrong way? He moves. Oh, wow. That was bad. Woo. Anyway. Tangent. Wow. I lost two worms. <laughs> you lost two worms. That didn't go Whatever. Well for you. Whatever. This game is okay. So I, I really didn't want to take this night class. So I went and talked to my professor, and I was like, "Hey, um, I read that there's a independent study option available for certain students. So can I create an independent study option and use that in in place of this required class?" And usually they don't let this happen. They usually are like, "Only in special circumstances do we let a required class be taken over by." a uh, independent study, but I pitched him the idea. He was like, that sounds close enough to the class that you would be taking. So sure, you can build an iPhone app. So I uh, got an independent study that was, I could work on it whenever I wanted. And like any rational person, I decided to book a ticket to Texas, go down for this event called Finish Up Weekend, where a bunch of creative people were just finishing lots of projects. And I was like, hey, those people probably are going to be coders, at least some of them. I'll go down there, hang out with my friend Alex, and maybe I'll learn how to build an iPhone app, which I actually did because somebody who worked for Treehouse was there and he showed me that they had an, like how to build an iPhone app course. So I took that over the entire weekend. I built two different iPhone apps and it was awesome. So uh, basically the moral of the story is if you just talk to teachers, I hate that turret. If you just talk to professors, you negotiate with them, and you bring something to the table, you may be able to get out of a night class. And then you won't have to worry about front-loading things and scheduling crappy days and all that jazz, because you won't be taking it. So, that's my take on night classes. Um, coffee's also a good thing. And also, just, just get sleep. Um, like I said earlier, you can schedule your day around that. That also means schedule your sleep schedule. If you're gonna be home really late then sleep in the next day you know don't try to wake up super early if you're gonna be out super late you lose did i yep well i want to see my stats player stats all right i had i had did i have any awards oh yeah, uh, most damage taken <laughs> Oh, congratulations. That's not a good award. <laughs> That's a bad one. Wow. Anyway. All right, we're going on to question number three, unless you have anything else to say on night classes. Now, I think I think especially the trying to weasel your way out of it with some other workaround, pretty great idea. Independent studies are like, awesome if you let them be. I like weaseling yeah. and ferreting. I and uh, after that devastating loss, I am about ready to become a nihilist. So I hope you're proud of yourself. I hope you are satisfied. Anyway, on to question number three. This question comes from Jasmine. 
And she says, in one of your articles, you talk about why juggling too much at once is a bad idea. (laughs) I agree. Any advice on how not to do it? I'd appreciate hearing how you decided the best areas to invest your time. You have some experience in this area, don't you? Uh, I'm basically cursed with the desire to juggle too much at all given times. And in general, up till very recently, even when I thought I was cutting things back, I was still doing like three or four times more than everyone else around me and more than I could really handle without being super stressed all the time. So, yeah, I have a bit of experience. I was trying to learn like four or five foreign languages at once while doing school and a job and running a blog and working, doing stuff for you. A little ridiculous, but... Overall, everything is a lot better recently. So how are you how are you making it all work at this point? Well, right now, how I'm literally making it all work is I'm using Habit RPG. That's my task management system of the day. I'm sure it'll be different six months from now. That's just kind of what I do. But okay. largely, what I did to figure out what's important to me, though... Because I'm interested in so many different things. I've got music, languages, blogging, web development, school, all sorts of stuff. And video games and books. I I didn't even remember media. That's how much I'm used to working. But what I did was I took all the things that are important to me, including things like friends. It doesn't have to be a productive thing. Just what's what's important to you? How do you how do you want to spend your days? And then write write every one of them down. Try to sort it out. And see what areas show up the most. When I did this, I found that the things that showed up the most and that resonated the most with me, because I hadn't even been doing them for a long time, were things like hanging out with friends more and playing video games and reading books and going places. Whereas I had just been studying and working and doing things every single day. And when I noticed that this section showed up, I realized that I was going to have to sacrifice some of the other sections in order to make time for it. So for the meantime, the section that I've sacrificed the most of, so a good example now, is uh, music. I haven't written any new music in like two years, and that's not because I don't ever want to do music again, but it's because doing four or five big things at once is bad. So right now I'm just focusing on... I'm focusing on language, I'm focusing on web development... In school, and I really don't want to do a lot more productive things than that at a time. So, I guess the solution is to do things a little more serially, like one at a time kind of deals. Uh, at least I realize that goes against everything that I read in the Motivation Hacker, which was pretty great. So that was more of a sprint, though. Yeah, that was. It's kind of. I don't know if I want to do it super long term. And it yeah. was all very specific goals, and a lot of them were small. I guess we should explain what that. In case people haven't read it, The Motivation Hacker is a book written by uh, this guy, Nick Winter, and he was like, I don't think that motivation is actually a depletable resource, so I'm going to try to do 10 billion goals all at once and put them all on B-Minder and make sure I punish myself if any of them don't work out. So he did a lot of different things, but I think that was like a very focused mission in his life, and nowadays he's probably not working on 10 different goals. So I think for the most part, you do need to be focused on things. Minus 99? Yeah, I got a wombo combo. What happens is the dynamite shot you up onto a mine, which exploded. And since you were next to a box, you exploded the box. I don't like that. And you know what it is. You know what to do. What do I got left? 
But uh, yeah, I guess uh, the best thing that I did was I found out what was important to me, and I chose to give up some of the less important things temporarily. Prioritization.com. Yeah, pri she needs to sort out her priorities, as one might say. Okay. Uh, I guess another really good uh, resource for this that I've used many times to great success are the little four pick pick four notebooks. I love the pick four notebooks. Uh, and tell us a little bit about more more about so, those. So, pick four is What's a the system. Author? I forgot that. Zig Ziglar. He was like a That's motivational it. speaker, I That's think, it. back in the day. But uh, so essentially, he was like, "I only want you to focus on four things at a time, right?" So here's a notebook. It's called Pick Four. You pick four goals, commit to those four goals for a three-month period of time, and every single day, there's a new page in the book, and you're going to write your progress on each of those four goals. So rather than puttering around on 10 different things that you want to do and never making any real progress on them, you have to have the courage to basically let some of those go for now, put them on your impossible list, they won't go anywhere, pick four of them, and work on them daily, because... The momentum of daily work is what really brings progress to your goals. So as you are recording your progress in these goals, you're going to make more and more progress. You're going to make a lot more than you would have made before, which is awesome. Uh, I had a lot of success for the, with the pick four system. The only thing I'll say is when you're in college, there's a lot to do, right? I mean, you're juggling classes, you're juggling part-time jobs, trying to find an internship, everything. So I'm not so sure that doing four distinct goals on top of everything is a good idea. And uh, you could even try doing like one of those goals just being to relax. And like you did that, right? Yeah, I actually had it set up to where I don't remember what the other goals were, but one of my goals was just one of them was just media related. Like, read books, play video games, do the things that I always put off for productive things because I do want to do them. And then I had another goal, which was just kind of relax, either through meditation, chill with my friends, go for a walk. I'm, I'm a generally chill person, so, I mean, maybe that's less exciting. I didn't say go on roller coasters or something, but I just wanted to it's chill. Goal. So, literally half of my goal book was me making sure that every single day I made time to relax and enjoy my simple life on this planet, you know, because I can't work all the time and neither can you probably. I mean, maybe you're some sort of work God and you don't have any sort of feelings or sense of fun. I don't know. But generally, I think that it was a great idea to make two of them, one or two of them just fun based that way. The other two that you're being productive with, you're going to give them so much attention. You're going to want to work so hard on them because you're so refreshed after being able to have fun and enjoy yourself day after day. Whereas if you're super, super hard at work, maybe five, six days in a row, and then you just work like days, maybe four, five and six, you're going to be a little tired. You're probably going to not going to be quite as efficient as you were or as enthusiastic and motivated. I would agree with that. So really what you did is you got progress on two distinct goals every single day, but you also avoided having a ton of stress because you prioritized having real fun and actually relaxing. Yeah, and you could say 
No, it's really weird to put your, like, hanging out with your friends on a thing. You're just making them another task on your to-do list. But to me, it's actually, yeah, it's it's a new thing. And uh, what's being good at worms? That's my response to you. Oh, all right. Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe it would seem heartless (laughs) to have your friends be another task on your to-do list, but I actually think it's kind of an honor to be on the to-do list of somebody who works so hard at everything. Because what that means is... These people, for me, my friends, were just as important to me as the things I obsessed over day after day. I need to prove that they're an important part of my life, and they're not just background noise, and they're not just my surroundings at the time. Yeah. It actually reminds me that uh, Nick Winter talked about in the book that he had an actual goal to be sweet to his girlfriend. Like, yeah. That was a thing. And, it, and he pointed out, like, do you think that's weird? Well, it's weirder to... Never, or it's not weird, but it's, it's worse to just not hang out with your girlfriend, right? Like, that is objectively worse. Yeah, like, if you fix it, you're saying to yourself, I know that I'm likely to take myself too seriously and work too hard, and I'm going to forget things, but you're so important to me that I'm going to make sure that I do not forget. Yeah, Because exactly. my forgetfulness shouldn't mess with our our ability to relate as people. Externalizing it doesn't really make it any less genuine. Yeah, and you're, you're just probably going to have more fun. You're which, just writing down that it's important. Exactly. You know, what's wrong with that? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess in uh, summary, you could use a system like Pick 4 to basically use a system to focus on things and, like, force yourself. Uh, you could use tools like Beeminder if you really have trouble focusing on things. You could kind of put some sort of, like, monetary threat on it. And uh, also, we just suggest making it a priority to relax and have fun with your friends. Because we know you want to read 15 books. We know you want to start your own blog and you want to get an internship and join 15 clubs and all this stuff. But friends are important, right? I mean... You're going to regret it if you don't make a point to enjoy your college years, I think. They're very important, yeah. So um, definitely make that a priority. Oops, that was a jump. Yeah, that was a jump button. Before I go on, I'm going to take careful aim and hit you with... You're going to get hit by that mine that's right to your left. Oh, it was a dud. It was a dud. I'm going to hit you with this bazooka. Boom. Didn't care for that. Well, sorry. Your worm is gone. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Also, I, I mentioned briefly the impossible list. So I really recommend that you create an impossible list, which is it's almost like a bucket list, except for it's very much more active. And if you click the impossible list link at the top of College Info Geek, you can see mine. And I link to Joel Runyon's explanation of the concept. But basically, I keep everything that I want to do with my life there. It's like a giant list of all my goals categorized by different areas of my life. And it's been super helpful to me. So create one of those and then you can pick and choose what sort of goals you want to work on at this stage in life. And once you've made some progress on those, you can choose to keep going or switch it up and try something new. So we have our fourth question now. And this question comes from Lewis, and he says, So I am currently a liberal arts major, but I hear that kind of major is not really useful in the real world. Uh, I was looking to doing something with computers, but realistically, I want something that pays well. Uh, There's a saying about if you follow your passion, you never have to work a day in your life. And that's true to some extent, but I want to live comfortably with a degree that can be translated to several different careers and pays well, like around $100,000 a year. Anything else to look into? So, Lewis, 
The only field I know of that pays a hundred dollars a year or a hundred dollars a year that is well, lucrative. I, I could I could think of several fields that pay a hundred dollars. The only <laughs> field that I can think of that pays a hundred thousand dollars a year is petroleum engineering. Uh, last time I looked at the statistics, I thought I think the starting average salaries were like ninety something, ninety seven thousand maybe. Um, so if you want to do stuff with petroleum, then hey, there's a hundred thousand dollars a year. But really, I want to I want to question that goal. Because I don't really know if you need to make $100,000 a year right out of college, right? Like, there's, there have been studies done that essentially found that basically $75,000 a year is where the correlation between money increasing and happiness increasing stops. So if you make that much money, then you don't really have to worry a whole ton about anything else. That's probably not going to go very far, is it? Uh, I'm gonna bazooka no, it's not. It instead. Can I not bazooka? Wait, there we go. Uh, yeah, another thing, another thing from that uh, question, I would like to point out: eh, liberal arts majors aren't all necessarily not useful in the real world. That's a pretty big blanket statement. That's true, and it's also super subjective, dependent on the person and the major and the area and they want to go in and the area they live in and so many other things. You can't just you can't just assume that. Any major really is 100% worthless. That Why would it be a thing? Yeah. I think you have to realize that college isn't the only thing, right? Like Certainly when you, not. When you're in college, that's not, that's not all that you are. It doesn't define you. Like, you are a college student. That's true. But that's not who you are. That's something you're doing. And if you're majoring in something like liberal arts, like if you're majoring in, in speech communication or something like that, Who's to say you're not learning how to code on the side? Or who's to say you're not teaching yourself to become like a, a marketer with skills and quantifiable data or something? Um, I guess data is pretty much quantifiable all the time. But, you know, who's to say that you're not finding a marketable skill outside of your education, right? And if you're doing that, then a liberal arts major is probably going to help you in the softer skill areas, or it's going to help you just learn a lot of different information with which to make connections. So that's not necessarily a bad choice. That said, uh, it's, you know, most, most liberal arts majors on average don't well, start probably out not gonna give you hundred K. So, I mean, yeah. So I mean, I guess like the, the thing is, question whether or not you need to make a lot of money but if you do then um there are lots of places where you can find salary data you can look at the u.s government's uh, career outlook handbooks you can look at your college's data you can look at me losing at worms and laugh at me twice in a row i'm never gonna win this game no you're not most damage dealt to friendlies and most damage taken that's my awards nice you're so good <laughs> i'm uh <laughs> yeah anyway so there are there are several sources for looking at salary data and i can link those up in the show notes if you want but um oh this is what i want to mention your salary isn't defined solely by your major right oh, so if you want to make a lot of money then you know what is money money is a unit of value right it just like it's a it's a quantified unit of value, and if you want more of these units, then you have to make yourself more valuable than the competition in your marketplace. So, for any given major, to make a lot of money, you need to become the best or of the best. You know, in the top 
uh, 1% or however many percent it is. So how can you do that? You can become more skilled in specific areas. You can learn skills in areas that there is a demand for. So uh, for example, in IT, there are consultants who can get paid $500 an hour because they know like super obscure programming languages that just some companies tend to use on servers and they don't have somebody on staff who knows how to fix it. So on the odd occasion it breaks, then you get paid 500 bucks an hour to fix that thing because you're one of the only people that can do it. Or, uh, you know, you're like just or you're like you're really a super well-known name in an area like you're the authority. So you can command a much higher fee. Like uh, if you want to get Gary Vaynerchuk or if you want to get Mike, Michael Jordan to speak at your event, like they their names command attention so they can charge more. So basically just making yourself more valuable will make it so that you can command more uh, more money. Right. And I actually wrote an entire article about this called, I think it was 97 actions you can take to make companies want to hire you. Well, it'll make companies want to hire you. And you can also make companies want to pay you more because you're worth more. So, uh, yeah. Also, if anybody out there does all 97 of those things, please tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a great story. If, if you get some sort of cool success from doing all 97 tips, please. Dude, please say something <laughs> definitely email me i'll interview you for the podcast and you can put that in your resume too because if you do 97 things that's hardcore i don't think even i made some of those up like i didn't do every single one of those things i haven't learned a new language fluently yet but hey if uh you want to take it as a challenge then go ahead i may have put some stupid things on there so you may have to do some stupid things but hey 97 things uh you'll be incredibly desirable to companies all right, so do you have anything more to add to that question? No, I mean that seems that seems pretty thorough. If you want to if you want to make a lot of money, you're going to have to be very valuable. There's not much else to it, honestly. It's true. That's I mean, the basic yeah. formula for how the, you know, jobs work. I would like to make 100k a year, but if I did, I would save most of it. So, it wouldn't really affect a whole lot of what I'm doing now, I don't think. Yeah, so, I could live comfortably for less than 100K easily. Yeah, so this question I'm going to give to you because you spend most of your day doing this now. Is that a fact? Uh, yeah, so this question is from Madhu Sudan. I think that's how I pronounce it. And he asks simply, where can I start learning to code? So I'll let you take it. All right, all right. So let's see. I think the site that I learned HTML on like 3 million years ago, 11, 12. How, how old am I? I don't even know. It's a long time ago. Like back in maybe fifth grade, let's say. I think that website's probably gone at this point or really outdated. <laughs> so <laughs> my favorite resource right now for several languages, I think most of which are web, but I'm not entirely sure that that's all that's offered. Code Code Academy or Code Academy, yeah, however, Code Academy. however you want to say it. That's a really great place to learn languages because they've got well code languages because they've got interactive assignments for you to do just in the browser and you can you can test it and they'll like tell you if you did it right and you go through a whole language course really a curriculum and that is super useful um and they offer a lot of different languages there too yeah i don't remember what all there is a lot i know there are a lot of web languages and there are i think more than just web languages but i don't remember 
what the exact offerings I are. I know they offer HTML, CSS, I know uh, JavaScript, I did, I did Python, jQuery. jQuery, I believe Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. I think so there's a Ruby. lot of things. And I guess it's a question, what do you do? Like, how do you know where to start? Also, you got started in a pretty terrible position, and I am very unsorry for what I'm about to do. You'll pay for it. Yeah, I know. Um, so so uh, there's another one called Code Combat. That oh, was actually yeah. made I haven't by actually the, tried that yet. I've played around with it. It looks really cool, though. Yeah, it was actually made by the author of the uh, Motivation Hacker, and uh, him and a and, and him and a team. And it's basically a game where you move a character around and you make it fight monsters and all sorts of cool stuff. But you have to write code to do this. So it teaches you one or two languages. It teaches you JavaScript and Python. So you can choose which one you want to do. And based off that, I'm going to go off of their authority in building this app and say that JavaScript and Python are both great languages to start with if you want to learn how to code. Because both of them are really good at teaching you the basic syntaxes of a lot of different programming languages and they're all pretty useful so yeah code combat is great yeah i'll have to check that out um let's see what else a couple of perhaps unexpected sources for good coding in introduction is i was reading a lot of web development books yeah like with paper and everything just books what's paper over the summer and i actually learned quite a lot from reading them uh since I'm into web development specifically, I was reading the A Book Apart series. It's a bunch of books published by, book like, apart. the A List Apart uh, website. But even if you're not into web languages, there are plenty of books you can read. Make sure it's really up-to-date, though, because that kind of stuff that's true. becomes out of date quickly. That's but, I mean, if you're, if you're putting code on to read a book, then that's... Actually, I, I learned exist. PHP from a book. Actually, um, when I got hired at, at the Web Dev Place on campus, they hired me, and I didn't even know anything about coding. So, ooh, it was a dud. Wow. I'm mad. Um, so I actually spent a few hours a day just teaching myself how to code out of that book, and it was really useful. So if you want, oh, PHP is a pretty good language as well, but I've heard that there are new languages that may be a little better. So, uh, I mean, you can learn it if you need it, but you don't necessarily have to pick that one i think javascript and python would be good places to start and boom yeah really you just want to start somewhere and then find out out, uh what'd you call that wow rombo combo wombo combo wombo combo that's 141 damage i don't i don't i don't care for that you're mad but as the point is you gotta start somewhere and really which specific language you choose isn't going to be very important until you've decided exactly what you want to do with coding because coding like object oriented you got some objective c or you're working with java that's way different than coding with something web-based like the end goals of those things aren't similar so yeah look at you you're really going to want to do with it you're really going to want to know what the end goal of you coding is but if you just want to know how to code those places are good to start. And actually, I'm going to give you the a, opening pages to my book, Hacking Productivity, right now. So don't tell anybody that I'm giving you this for free, but I'm going to do it. So uh, the way I'm going to open my book is with this. Momentum beats optimization every time, right? 
All right. Simply working and progressing daily beats all the little hacks and tricks and best practices you could ever look up on any blog. It doesn't matter. So if you want to learn how to code, pick one of the languages we talked about in this podcast. We highlighted JavaScript and Python. Those are probably good. And just start coding. If you want to learn web languages, then look at people's websites. Look at the code behind them. You can do Command U or Control U to look at the source in most browsers. Is that a shortcut? I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. I look at source all the time. Or you can inspect Element. That's an amazing thing. And start studying code. Start writing code. And just do it. Like, your first coding projects are going to be crappy. I actually have a blog uh, draft of a blog post right now that shows a screenshot of my first web design project. It's awful. I posted it in a forum, <laughs> like a web design review forum, and they roasted me for it. They were like, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. It's pretty great. But I did it. And then the next like the next week, I went and redesigned it. And with that experience, I was like, oh, cool. I made a better version. That's awesome. So it's really just about getting a lot of at-bats, building that momentum and just practicing. And as you practice, you'll learn more, you'll get more nuanced, and you'll probably learn more than we know right now, or at least me, because I don't code that much anymore. But just get that experience. All right, so uh, lecture about momentum is over. Do we have any more resources for coding? I don't know of any just specific resources offhand, but yeah, they're not trying to be perfect initially and not worrying about so many of the details until you really get going is just a great suggestion definitely for sure so I'm gonna use this jetpack and see if I can get anywhere with it well you didn't let yourself get uh, fall damage so yeah I'm but I'm still not close enough to you so I'm just gonna end my turn and start ending the show alright so those are our five questions if you want to find the show notes for this episode where you can find links you can find quotes uh, you can find a summary for all this, then CIGpodcast.com. Once again, you will find the uh, the College of a Geek main podcast listing. Find episode 29, which is reader Q&A number three. Don't you homing missile me. That's not fair. It's Actually, it, it is fair. Send your questions to Thomas at collegeinfogeek.com if you want oh, to get something answered on uh, oh. another one of these Q&A episodes. Oh, I'm just good at this I'm, game. That's all. I'm, I'm Ruby Man. I'm just really good at this game. What are you going to do about it? Go um, on. <laughs> you can subscribe, and also, if you want to be really awesome, then leave a review on iTunes. And there is a link in the show notes that goes to a tutorial on how to leave a review if you don't know how to. But reviews and subscriptions are both really important for getting the show to uh, bump up the charts and be visible to more people. So if you do that, uh, you're awesome. I will send you a personal thank you if you let me know that you leave one. And I'm going to read a really quick one that just came in uh, recently. And this is from Don Glunt. He just says, Perfect. As a college student, I have found these podcasts to be very useful. Truly an inspired series that is essential for any college student looking to better themselves and their future. Thank you so much, Don. That is awesome review. And uh, if you, dear listener, want to leave a review, we will also give you a thank you as well. So uh, that's all for the podcast. Also, a little shout out. I'm doing YouTube videos now. So if you want to get video content in addition to the podcast, then check out the blog section of the site where you'll see the videos uh, lists of right alongside podcasts and blog posts. Or you can look me up on YouTube. I'm just Thomas Frank. And there is a link on uh, the homepage of College of a Geek to the YouTube page as well. In fact, you know what? By the time this comes out, I'm just going to have this URL available. So if you want to go to collegeofogate.com slash videos, 
that will take you to the YouTube page and you can check out all the new videos that will help you become a more awesome student. Until next time, I hate you, Martin. Uh, yeah, you're gonna be always going to be bad at worms. Uh, I'm going to be better than you at worms eventually. Or maybe uh, we'll just play uh, Towerfall next time. Hey, I'm still going to beat you at Towerfall. So, uh, pain. Uh, maybe maybe 40% <laughs> of the time. But uh, Okay. Yeah, hope, hope you all have uh, enjoyed listening. All right. Adios, y'all. Bye. Sayonara. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.